podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, 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 what's going on, people? You're now locked in to another episode of the Dishnomics Podcast. I hope you've had a great week so far. We've got a very important topic coming out. But as per, shout out the previous week's episode, 317, the post office scandal. Imagine innocent people who are running post office like their franchises, innocent men and, innocent men and women, being penalised either financially or sometimes criminally for alleged stealing when the reality is the accounting system that the post office used was bringing up faulty numbers. Yep, over 900 cases of people that have been shagged by this poor accounting system error, which led to the loss of people's marriages, mental health issues, some people even end up in jail. Now, some people are due compensation of up to seven figures, so you might want to check out that episode. And I think I gave her Israel Gaza update in that episode as well. Now, this week, we are discussing the happenings in The Hague, which is the home of the International Court of Justice based in Netherlands. They ruled on Friday the 26th of January 2024, pretty much in favour of South Africa, showing that there is a plausible case of genocide being committed by the Israelis. Now, the actual case itself is going to take several years, but the South Africans wanted an immediate injunction which will require the Israelis to ceasefire, to stop firing and fighting in the region. Unfortunately for South Africans and, and the Gazans and many of us, they didn't exactly grant that. There may be reasons for that, which I'll get onto later. But there were legally binding commands from the ICJ to protect the civilians of Gaza. Now, in this pod, we're going to go into the ruling from the ICJ, the six different measures they impose, the voting regarding that, the analysis of course, how the Westerners reacted. When I say Westerners, I mean UK, America, Canada, so on and so forth. What we believe will happen next. And also some very disturbing retaliations in many of our eyes with regard this to UNRWA, which we're going to talk about later. But first, a quick break. Hi, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. Because it's late. It's late. So, it's late. It's late. It's late. It's late. South Africa did it. South Africa effectively won their case against Israelis in the International Court of Justice. Now, a quick recap for those who missed my episode regarding the International Court of Justice. The International Court of Justice was created, I believe, in June 1945, shortly, or maybe October 1945. It was somewhere in 1945 after the World War. Obviously, the, the end of the World War II saw the birth of the United Nations, and the International Court of Justice was going to be its highest court. In 1948, there was something called the Genocide Convention off the back of what we saw in Germany, the disgusting Holocaust against the people, the Jewish people. Over 6 million Jewish people killed, systematically killed, gas chambers, all types of stuff. It was horrifying. And the world said never again, right? Hence why we have a Genocide Convention. Now, fast forward 75 odd years, Israel is now being brought in front of said court due to the activities in Gaza. So South Africa was like, yo, the International Court of Justice, you guys need to sort this out. And the International Court of Justice has two main remits to offer advisory services and to settle disputes between two member states. 
Now, South Africa is a member state, so is Israel. And South Africa could, could present cases as a third party, which they did. Now, both sides made their arguments. Israel argued that South Africa didn't raise a good enough dispute. Um, they also argued that the case should be thrown out because genocide is ridiculous. Um, it's insulting, so on and so forth. The International Court of... <coughs> sorry. The ICJ obviously did not throw out the case and we're going to hear the case in the coming years. So this was amazing in my opinion. It didn't go all the way I wanted it to go, but nevertheless, it is an amazing achievement from South Africa. And why I think it's an amazing achievement from South Africa before I get into the ruling is because we've seen, obviously where a lot of my listeners are based in the United Kingdom, this mirage, this facade that it is the Western world spearheaded by America with help from Germany, France, the United Kingdom, Canada, are the liberal forces were in the betterment of human rights for people in the world. When the reality is, not really. Yeah, if you look like us, if you sound like us, if you support us, yeah, we want a betterment for you. But everybody else, eh, depends if it's in our best interest. And South Africa was the one that upheld the correct moral standard in the world. So shout out, to, shout out to the brilliant people from South Africa. So let's get into the ruling. The ICJ ruled that Israel must increase its efforts to protect Palestinians and provide humanitarian, humanitarian aid to Gaza. They did not go all the way as called for a ceasefire, which is what the people of Gaza wanted. And of course, many of us as well as South Africans. South Africa brought the proceedings against Israel, accusing them of committing genocide against the Palestinians. South Africa, as I said before, wanted a court to provide an injunction that makes Israel stop fighting, but they didn't quite get it get all the way there. However, many believe in the way the court gave its orders effectively means ceasefire because they seem incapable of being able to continue fighting whilst following the measures imposed by the ICJ. The ruling is a clear indication that the court doesn't believe Israel is doing enough to prevent genocide against the Palestinian people. The court clearly said it was plausible. So at the very least, remember genocide is also a legal definition and is quite a high threshold. So if genocide is plausible, it doesn't take a genius. It just takes a slightest bit of comprehension or deductive reasoning to incur that Israel is, um, Israel is not conflicting, is engaging in very clear high level war crimes. That is undeniable now. And this puts United Kingdom, so that's Keir Starmer, Rishi Sunak, President Biden, Macron, and all these other people that have been supporting Israel almost unconditionally, for the most part, in a very, very peculiar point. Because now it is clear that you have been in support, aiding and abetting, at the very minimum, war crimes. They say war crimes you accuse Vladimir Putin of without batting the eyelids. The six measures issued by the ICJ are legally blinding. So let's go through the six measures. The first measure, Israel must take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of all acts constituting to the physical elements of genocide. That includes killing members of the group. They killed 157 people yesterday, causing serious bodily harm. People's legs are being blown off or mental harm to the members of the group. Also deliberately inciting conditions that could, that could um, put their lives at risk, right? So, and also imposing measures that prevent birth giving within the group. So that is 
blowing up hospitals, blowing up refugee camps, not providing anesthesia in the men in medicine of AIDS coming through, all that type of stuff. The second measure, to ensure with immediate effects that, the, that it's military, so that's the IDF, does not commit any of the genocidal acts listed in the first missile. So the IDF stopped killing people, stopped shooting people. I saw a, we all saw the video, I believe we, of a man who just conducted an interview with the ID, uh, with ITV News, and ITV News footage got this. So you can't say, oh, Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. ITV News got this, bro of a man waving a white flag, he's on his way south of Gaza, looking to meet up with other members of his family, he was shot dead by the Israeli sniper. Despicable. Measure number three. This measure is under the 1948 Genocide Convention that Israel must comply and prevent genocide. Israel should prevent and punish direct and public incitement to commit genocide. And the court, and that's what she's ruling, the court was listing off the statements made by senior officials from the president of, um, president of Israel to the national security minister of Israel to the finance minister of Israel to the defense minister, minister of Israel. So that's Johan Galant, um, the energy minister, Israel Katz, uh, Ben Gavir, um, Smotrich, all these people. And they even mentioned how the Israeli Attorney General even warned them that their statements could imply that they are committing war crimes. And I remember this, this was in November. The Attorney General warned them, man, yo, two months later, the man are still at it. Measure number four. Israel should take immediate and effective measures to ensure the provision of urgently needed basic services and humanitarian assistance to address the adverse conditions of life faced by the Palestinians in Gaza. And this measure actually goes beyond the measures in the Gambia versus Myanmar case, in placing an absolute duty to Israel to ensure that humanitarian aid is in the region, irrespective of the absence of deliberate calculations to bring about group destruction. It even goes beyond the strict framework of the Genocide Convention. Israel must provide aid. I literally saw videos of Israelis um, protesting, trying to block aid leaving Israel into Gaza. Before the war, 50 cases, 50 trucks of aid were coming in. At certain points in the war, it was 70 trucks. So from five, no, sorry, 500 going down to 70. In recent weeks, the last number was 106. That needs to not, even 500 will be not enough because 500 was with the current state of Gaza. That's before Gaza got absolutely blown to pieces. Measure number five. The ICJ reverted to the Myanmar case formula for its fifth provisional measure, preventing the destruction and ensuring the preservation of evidence related to allegations of genocidal acts. And the sixth measure, is in requiring Israel to report back to the court all measures taken to, to give effect to the order. They gave a deadline of one month, even though for Manyama it was four, and this shows that the urgency of the matter in comparison to Manyama. Now, this is very interesting because remember, IDF soldiers are posting videos non-stop. I can't believe I haven't got them to stop. You've got evidence coming out of Gaza, you've got the words of these people. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Now, let's look at the voting of these measures because I thought it was quite interesting. So the first measure, 
which was let me scroll back up um take all to take all measures within its power to prevent genocide acts against palestinians was voted 15 to 2. um the second measure israel will ensure that its army doesn't commit any, any genocidal acts again 15 to 2. The third measure, Israel will prevent the punishment, prevent and punish public incitement to commit genocide against the Palestinians. That was 16 to 1. And by the way, the two votes tend to be the Israeli appointee and the Ugandan appointee. Fun fact, the Ugandan appointee has effectively been disowned by the Ugandan government. So big up them. See, and even in this 16 to 1 vote, the one wasn't the Israeli um, judge. It was the Ugandan judge. Measure number four, Israel ensured the provision of urgent services and humanitarian aid to Gaza. Again, 16 to 1. Um, number five, Israel ensured the preservation of evidence related to allegations of genocide. 15 to 2. And again, Israel will submit a report within one month showing its compliance with orders. Again, 15 to 2. So it was quite a resounding victory for the South Africans. Now, that sounds all positive, right? We're going to get into more of the dark arts after this short break. However, people, there isn't any concrete consequences if Israel decides, you know what, we're fucking it off. We don't, we don't give a shit what them man say, yeah? We don't care what them man say. And we've heard Ben Gavir imply it. And he basically spoke on Twitter, basically said, yeah, bro, like, they're hypocrites. Oh no, this was on Twitter. I think this was on TV. He basically said they're hypocrites. Um, like, where, where were they when this was happening to Israel? Well, the court didn't exist until the end of the Second World War. The UN didn't exist at the end of the Second World War, so they couldn't exactly help in that regards. I think the world should have helped, but again, whatever. Even a couple of weeks ago, um, Prime Minister Netanyahu made it very clear that, bro, I don't give a shit what them man at the Hague say. We are rising it, cuz. Do you get it? Unfortunately, there's no concrete consequences if Israel do ignore the rulers, despite them being legally binding. I've already mentioned National Security Minister Ben Gavir has already suggested that Israel are going to ignore their man anyway. The people who enforce the orders of the ICJ, International Court of Justice, is the UN's Security Council. However, the UN Security Council isn't the most objective, very based on law. It is highly political. There's five people with a permanent veto. I want you guys to take a guess who has a permanent veto. I'm pretty sure most of you guessed the United States. And the United States have used the majority of its vetoes to protect Israel one way or the other. The United States has used its veto powers 83 times. 45 of those times were in with regards to Israel. So we know what's coming up. If it goes to the Security Council, the United States are likely going to shut that down because they're discussing scumbags. However, when I was looking, obviously I was doing my research and listening to the people who have more expertise than I with regards to international law, a lot of people were stating that yeah, if this gets shut down in the UN Security Council, which chances are it will, this can go to the US National Assembly. And this is a larger vote, which requires a majority. And with some issues, which will likely, this issue likely fall into that more complex issue to do with security, it will require two thirds. 
The court ruling does show South Africa's claims are plausible, which gives a strong indication of where Israel stands with regards to international law. They said that there's plausible chance genocide has been committed. Interestingly, interestingly, Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, responded to the ruling in the video message. One in English, one in Hebrew. I'll get on to why in a second. The English version reiterates that Israel has a right to defend itself and calls South Africa's request for ceasefire vile and a blatant discrimination against the Jewish state, while insisting that Israel's com commitment to international law is unwavering and it will continue to facilitate aid to Gaza. However, in his Hebrew message on Twitter, I mean, his Hebrew message, um, Times of Israel journalist Amy Spiro noted on Twitter that his Hebrew message made no promise, such promise. So what I've been seeing is that when, they, when uh, Benjamin Netanyahu speaks in English, he's a lot less turned down compared to when he speaks to his people in Hebrew. This is when the real smoke comes out, you get it. South Africa believed the best way for Israel to comply with the court would be to stop its gas operations. South African Foreign Minister Naledi Pandor stated, I believe that exercising the order, there'll, there'll have to be a ceasefire. So that's where we're at currently. What happens next? We'll get into after the short break. As I said before, the orders are legally binding, but at the same time, they're hard to enforce. For example, as recently as 2022, the ICJ stated that Russia should have a ceasefire in its war with Ukraine. The war's still going on today. So Russia ignored the ICJ's preliminary call for ceasefire. United, as I said before, the ICJ is the court of the United Nations and its fault and its fault mechanism is the UN Security Council Council which can pass resolutions requiring Israel to do more to punish those who incite genocide, for instance, or who prevent humanitarian aid reaching Gaza. But again, as I said before, as one of five permanent members of the US Security Council that have veto power, the USA has historically vetoed any measure that's, anti that's seen antagonistic towards Israel. And even if they, that weren't the case, the Security Council is highly political and fractious. So it's very difficult for them to kind of gain any sort of unilateral agreement to kind of limit, which limits its ability to enforce any form of resolution. The US is still standing 10 toes down with Israel. They are still rejecting claims Israel committed genocide. The Conservative Party are still holding that, that stance. Uh, Jonathan Kirby, their spokesperson, is still chatting a bag of shit, saying we don't want any civilian deaths, but we don't believe there's any evidence they committed genocide, despite the highest courts in the in the world, who's meant to be impartial, states the opposite. They won't even address whether Israel's breaking international law with regards to the clear and the clear murder from an Israeli sniper on the gentleman that just finished conducting an interview with ITV News. Also, we've seen them just purely straight up avoid questions when people be like, yo, you guys have been saying two-state solution, that's the solution. You're, you've been saying Israel will be on board with that. Benjamin Netanyahu, Ben Kavir, Smotrich have come out strongly to let you guys know that's not going to happen. How y'all think about that? They just dodged the question. 
<laughs> Perfect. However, on the bright side, Israel's under even more pressure now. They are under extreme pressure regarding diplomacy and the, and the illegality of their actions in Gaza. And this also puts its allies under pressure for continuing to provide aid and assistance because they have been effectively charged with, listen, you man, you need to stop committing these wrongful acts because you're basically committing them right now. This may cause some partners to withdraw military or other aspects of support. States also have a duty under the Gen Genocide Convention to prevent genocide, and some states don't want to be involved in this wahala. Remember, the court also orders Israel to support a report within one month. Israel will have to convince the court that it's abided by these orders. Now, what I find super interesting is what's happened with UNRWA. UNRWA is a UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestine refugees in, in the Near East, right? They have over 30,000 people employed. UNRWA is the biggest single employer in Gaza. Because of UNRWA, there is education, there is food, there is healthcare. UNRWA is vital to this, right? And what we've seen fresh off the press of the ICJ ruling, which really and truly the majority of key media figures in terms of political analysis and correspondence didn't speak about it. None of the real pa none of the big papers in the country outside of the Financial Times ran this as the main story. It was almost like people just pretended that that didn't happen. Right? Cool. So what we've now seen is starting off with the United States, followed by, I believe, Canada, uh, United Kingdom. Hold on, let me even get it up. So the countries include the United States, Germany, United Kingdom, Australia, Italy, Canada, Finland, and the Netherlands. And why is this significant? Well, the, US, the, UN's, um, the USA's donation accounts for 30%, Germany, 17.2%, Sweden's 5.1%, uh, France is 2.4%, Canada's 2%, UK's 1.8%, Netherlands 1.8%, Italy 1.8%, Australia 1.1%. These are significant chunks of funding being removed from UNRWA. Why are they doing this? Well, I believe the motivation is pretty obvious. But let's start with the, the official reasoning. Now, according to Israeli intelligence, 12 members of UNRWA, which employs over 30,000 people, 12 members were involved in October 7th attacks. Now they got this information from interrogations, AKA tortures. Now, the timing of this is interesting because what happened on October the 7th was over 110 days ago. So why are we hearing this just now? Why are we hearing this fresh off the back of the ICJ ruling? Very suspicious. Now, is there chances that some members of UNRWA have connections or are part of the mass? Potentially. That's not that's not out of the stretch of reality. They employ 30,000 people. They're, they're the largest employers of Gaza. Even if this is true, I do not believe that is enough of a reason 
to prevent life-changing, life-preserving aid into Gaza, especially in its current state of absolute dilapidation and destruction. That's like us taxpayers stop funding the NHS if we find out some people are committing murders. Does that make sense? It doesn't make no damn sense. You're effectively sentencing these people to death. And, he's, and this is a direct opponent to the rules implied by the ICJ. Now, look at this. <laughs> and I saw this video on Twitter and I just laughed. Not laugh because it's funny. It's just like, like, the evidence is insurmountable. So this is a debate happening in Parliament. Yeah, Israeli Parliament known as the Knesset. Knesset. Uh, so this is in early this January, a subcommittee of for foreign policy and public diplomacy in, in the Knesset, Knesset discussed UNRWA. Here are some arguments. So Noga Arbel, the researcher at the Kohelet Forum, the Palestinian education system is the most severe security threat to Israel. UNRWA is the core of the problem. If we allowed it to continue to perpetuate the problem of Palestinian exodus, the threat will only grow. She also added, it's impossible to win this war if we do not destroy UNRWA and this destruction must begin immediately. Kobe Michael from the Institute of National Security Studies said, this is the only refugee population in the world that instead of decreasing is growing and refugee status is inherited. They want to destroy these people. This is like systematic destruction. And it is an absolute disgrace that our government is part of this. I want to shout out Scotland. I forget the, 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 the foreign minister for the Scottish Parliament's name. Muslim brother, good brother, standing 10 toes down. He said we will continue to fund. Ireland said they'll continue to fund. Norway, or I believe it was in Norway or Denmark, said they'll continue to fund. And that bitch ass Eli Sharam, or whatever his name is, and the spokesperson. Um, for Israel just accusing them of basically supporting Hamas by continuing to do it. It's just dumb. These lot are dumb. Dumb motherfuckers. Can't stand them. Honestly, it's disgusting. Now, we've seen some Israelis try to spin this as a victory. Oh, did they threw out the Palestinians' case? No, they didn't. They literally said their case is plausible. How can you throw out a case when the court says it's plausible and we will hear your case? That doesn't make sense. They have effectively said that they are committing acts of genocide because they told them to stop doing these things and have told them to report back to them within one month. They literally reeled out all your offences with detailed evidence from like United Nations and other health organisations, World Health Organisation, for example, read out the comments of your politicians. And I saw somebody say the World Health Organization is in bed with Hamas now. Jesus flipping Christ. Can you get some new bars? Now, with why I believe that they didn't call for a ceasefire is because Hamas are a resistance militant group that rule Gaza. They are not signatories of the genocide convention. So they, you can't tell Israel effectively, theoretically, to have a ceasefire because Hamas are also 
not in court. So like, you can't tell both of the same thing. You can't, you can't tell one side of ceasefire. What's interesting is that Hamas's response and they've detailed the document saying that they are willing to be investigated by the ICC. They welcome investigation to the activities on October the 7th. That's what they said. Israel have non-stop combated any form of independent investigation saying that it's anti-Semitic to investigate them. Take Make of that what you will. So yeah, that's it for this week's pod. I'm going to drop a video on this for you people who like the visuals and the, and the stats pop up on the screen and that. But until next week, tell a friend to tell a friend. Peace. Bow. Sports Social Podcast Network.